So, a few questions here. Try to look at questions and answer in a way that makes it useful for the purpose of the retreat. So, bear in mind this isn't just a you know, study in Buddhist theory, but something we can make use of. So, there's a question here what's the difference? In sense consciousness and chitta awareness, and another one, we're making a decision. How do we know to what extent we should follow the heart and to what extent to follow the mind? So, I'll look at those <coughs> sense consciousness and chitta awareness. So. Six sense consciousnesses, eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind. And the Pali word for mind consciousness is mano, mano vijnana. So the word chitta does not appear in the list of the six sense fields, the six sense bases. These are ayatana, literally means spheres. Um, so sense sphere means there's the eye, the visible object and the eye consciousness mind, mental object, mind consciousness so the word chitta does not appear in that chitta is more generally used in terms of um, inclination, disposition um, even psychology, mindset attitude, karma term is used there. Mm. Now the relationship between mano vijnana, mind consciousness and citta, I hope this is not just academic, the reply, but we've been talking a little bit about the difference between attention and intention. Attention and intention hope you've, you've got that, I think you've probably got that by now um, and attention is mana sikara so that's something to do with the mano and intention is chitana which is to do with the chitta so again it gives you some kind of reference and we can recognize that attention itself is just an act of, of defining an object it, it forms a focal point defines an object it is in many ways ethically neutral it's just like the lens of a camera you know you can zoom in or zoom out it doesn't really it's just the function and what does that do like any other sense base it presents an object it it defines an object just as the visual consciousness helps uh, gives visual a visual field presents a visual field and the body conscious and presents tactile impressions and so on yeah. and these are quite different aren't they completely different experiences seeing is different from touching totally different experience in many ways yeah. they are all quite quite <laughs> obviously very different aren't they um, so we're getting this these five different external senses consciousness operating through the eye, the ear, nose, tongue, body um, 
we're not experiencing five different realms of existence, are we? Something all gets coordinated into I see something, you know, so it all comes together. It's, it's uh, into an uh, experience. Otherwise, be crazy. You know, imagine seeing something and having no re- relationship between that and eating something. How do you eat your food? You, know, you see, see a plate of food, and there's no concept. This is something to do with the body. Eating it, you know, you put, stick it in your eyes or stick it in your ear. Um, but so something says, "Oh, that's visual stuff," you know, and it means this. Now that's that's chitta does that. It it's the intelligence, you could say. So, and what brings the that object to the chitta is is mano, attention. The the object definer brings that object to the chitta. So, in this sense, we might say chitta, heart or awareness. Um, now I'm looking around. I'm aware of seeing you. Though whatever I feel or incline is coming because of that, I'm not concerned with the sound of the fan or memories of yesterday or anything like that. So something is presenting to to the chitta. Mano selects, and which of these sense fields to give attention to. Right. So it's a, it helps. To, it's a secretary. You know, you've got five different uh, people at the door with various, quite different uh, requests, and Mano says, "This one, you you can come in and talk to the boss." So in this way, Mano acts as the secretary of the of the jitta. So, and then the chitta is that feels respond responds to that. So, chitta and mano kind of operate together. Mano forms an object. Chitta feels the object, makes sense of it, responds to it, remembers it, acts upon it. Mano just says, "Is this." Now, it's a little more than that because Chitra is the boss. It's kind of telling Mano what to look out for. Look out for something tasty, will you? Something interesting. Be on guard against something threatening. So Mano's got this kind of um, mandate or job description from the boss. So it's kind of sight, not much there. Sound, not much there. Feeling, physical feeling, not much happening there. Taste, oh yeah, that, that looks like that could be, Jitta might like that, we'll go into that. And it picks up that thing and focuses on taste when you're eating something. Right. And of course this can happen quite quickly, it can flicker rapidly from taste to sound. If something more interesting or threatening or meaningful happens at the ear door, then Mano goes over there quickly brings that into the chitta's attention so it, it flickers quite quickly um, is this useful piece of information uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> uh, 
but that that would be my my way of, of explaining it. So the word mind can cover either mano or chitta or both. You know, depending on which particular aspect we're talking about, because the two are obviously clearly connected. Yeah. So sometimes jitta is just receiving um, its own impressions, you know, like its its memories and man- like you you know maybe lying asleep, you're not seeing anything, hearing anything, tasting anything. So jitta is a bit sort of like, well, come on, something ought to be happening. So it 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 mano looks into jitta and says, oh, there's this perceptions, and you get the dreams, which are really free-form perceptions. They may have some meaning, they may be poignant, they may be horrible, and they are some images that are to do with the state of the jitta while we're asleep. So the mano scans the jitta while one is asleep and it's bringing the jitta's messages back to itself. So so then again we can remember things and uh, so again, when you're sitting in meditation, you close your eyes, nothing much to hear, nothing to taste, and the mano starts scanning the chitta, memories, impressions, horror stories, um, mood swings, it's scanning there. Now, you know, this is so... Now, with intentionality, it's possible to say, Turn your attention there, because Chitta gives Mano the orders. So if we don't have that sense of a giving it some kind of order, you know, like attend to this, go there, it tends to just swing around. The attention just swings around into anything that might have a little bit of action in it or interesting. So it's, it's, it's why one should try to cultivate some sense of. Uh, uh, conscious responsibility over attention it's not so much a rigid control but certainly whatever one attends to will bring that message into your chitta and there it's going to affect it and be remembered and generate uh, particular impulses and inclinations of which the mind uh, mental um, Mental, mental data is the most intense, not visual, tactile. They momentarily can be quite intense, you know, physical pain. But what's really intense is mental stuff. The moods, emotions, memories. Uh, she did this, he did that, he, you know. This is where it gets very intense. So as a meditator, sometimes it's good to, you know, keep your eyes open. So there's a little less default swinging into the uh, unresolved material in the chitta. So you've got something well, you know, it's less one-pointed on the on the chitta itself. This. <coughs> relates to karma oh another one here 
what should we follow the heart and to what extent follow the mind well if I understand rightly I would imagine you're referring to say intuitions, emotional uh, senses, inclinations uh, of that nature and mind I imagine here you mean more rational decisions um, ideally you put them together not, not one or the other but you bring the two together there's some sort of interest inclination or resistance and then you what's that and then you look at that consider it so wisdom is uh, uh, you know use, using the mano faculty wisely to, to scan that interest or the inclination or that choice so mm, you know this reminds me of that look again into the chitta oh yeah no that's not a good idea so you put the two together and so this is where of course it's very important to, to clarify or purify the chitta so that uh, one's decisions are based on truth, actuality on ethical integrity on goodwill and kindness on you know inquiry and investigation uh, it's not careless attention it's careful attention then this is the way we um, bring two together to make significant decisions Jitta often deals with so in terms of a decision Jitta can deal with kind of inclinations like I I feel like uh, some you know fresh air or change of life or doing something different and sort of like that's the general inclination and the man says well what about this you could do this or that or, you know it gets specific narrows it down to specific tangible objects or finite objects so again if we're meditating and you're feeling some sense in your chitta of uh, what's this feel like it feels a bit uh, dull or sleepy or not very clearly focused and then I'd like to be clearer I'd like to then okay the man who looks around well what about if you have your eyes open yeah try that or what about if you use inquiry so it presents a, it's like a secretary it presents a few options to to the boss as to where to go similarly in terms of karma So this is like Vitaka Vichara, bringing something to mind is bringing something, so the sense of framing something up, it's a mano function, and chitta, houses feel Vichara? Mindfulness by and large is a mano function, function of just sustaining a focus. Uh, yeah. So certainly where, you, where one comes across systems or techniques that emphasize mindfulness as a kind of point at a time attention mode they tend to be emotionally um, not particularly rich that's not their aim their aim is, is object definition and sustaining that Once, you know, they're not particularly um, uh, kind of quality of mood is not present and you know, because I guess because the feeling is well, 
you know you don't really want too much of that happening because there's so much wild stuff in there um, better to just say or noting a footstep or noting this that or the other so it's kind of fairly neutral emotionally neutral so karma why are people with good kind hearts and good actions sometimes still suffer a lot certain extent um, there's good karma bad karma mingled karma the fourth kind of karma is karma that leads to the end of karma karma is action so when we say someone who has a lot of good karma you really mean we pucker or they have done good they have good inclinations uh, they have good intentions um, their, their intentions are ethically skillful that doesn't stop them getting cancer or being hit by a truck or being you know abandoned by their partner or mm, you know kids going crazy doesn't <laughs> so that, that just doesn't affect that because the karma really um, is is one's own you know one's own karma we actions one's own inclinations give rise to uh, benefits in terms of citta so you know to the extent to which there's good karma there will be perhaps um, more kind more peaceful more morally restrained but it doesn't it doesn't eliminate suffering In fact, sometimes you can suffer just as much because as your, as your personal standards go up and you look around you, you feel more sense of disappointment at the stupidity of the world in general. <laughs> and uh, as you meditate, you tend to become more sensitive so you can feel uh, when you're a bit dense and thick, you don't really notice too much. But when you're more sensitive, you feel yourself being disappointed or frustrated by uh, the unskillful actions of other people uh, so certainly one, one's the impingement, the impacts are more, more often more poignantly felt when uh, for a, a ethically uh, pure person or someone with a calm ordered mind so this doesn't this means one can experience quite a lot of um, um, this witnessing what's called the, the sign of dukkha uh, the sign of dukkha the characteristic of dukkha or unsatisfactoriness which we see in many respects people's behaviour and so forth um, so you become more attuned to that you notice it more mm. Um, the but is the fourth kind of karma which is um, karma at least the end of the karma which is essentially the particular mental inclinations that have to do with wisdom calm, dhamma which means that even though we see or note 
the unsatisfactoriness, the incompleteness, the moral irresponsibility of the world around us, um, we're able to not uh, see it with dispassion, um, not get caught in it, not, not adopt it, not see it's my fault, not get frustrated by it, not get angry about it, but just it's like that. It's like this, it's like that. So dukkha as a characteristic doesn't have to become dukkha as a noble truth. As we don't have to experience personal anguish over the unsatisfactoriness of um, you know, the world around us or our bodies or um, you know, or our family or our, you know, what other people do. Because this uh, essentially the, the process of meditation or, or wisdom is to learn to not adopt conditions or pick up conditions to let to be able to not attach if you like or so so just being good doesn't mean you don't suffer you've got to be more than good you've got to be good and wise being good means you create less suffering for others that's for sure which is good because then you don't you don't have to deal with regret and uh, doubt and so forth create less suffering for others and in the long run you you can create less uh, suffering for yourself in the long run but there's still what we call the vipaka or the results the result of being born as a human being at this time means we certainly witness a lot of dukkha around in our own bodies in our relationships in our world around us you see a lot of it and you can feel some disappointment and, pes- and gloom about that you know I think the Buddha referred to it as a kind of sangwega, sangwega, which is a sense of mm, wow this is pretty messy out pretty messy uh, don't, don't stick around any longer in this than you have to <laughs> So witnessing dukkha, but uh, rather than getting going crazy around it or blaming people, just well, how poignant it is! Um, how poignant it is! So it's witnessing suffering, but not taking it on. And that's that's the distinction. Could you review some practical slips tips? to slow down the energy when you're aware it's about to go up intensively no. there are mm, in terms of energy in this respect there are three three bases, bases of how energy operates, uh, how, how, how we experience it. One is the most powerful one, or the most significant one, is called Jitta Sankara, which is this propulsive energy that happens in, in the Jitta. We feel overwhelmed, we feel 
aroused, we feel furious, we feel swept away, it's a surge of emotional energy rushes over. We might feel pity, uh, which is uh, rapture. It becomes so, you know, it, it, it can be so, so intense you start shaking with it. Uh, so there's this huge charge of, of emotional or heart energy that uh, uh, rises and perhaps becomes destabilizing. Um, it can also be something whereby uh, we can't sleep at night because we're so uh, charged up, emotionally charged up. It's, you know, with a lot of, and so it, it sort of spins the chitter around. The other basis of it is called the Kaya Sankara, bodily energy. Um, so again, these two go, tend to go together uh, as, as one's jitter is aroused, one feels some bodily palpitations, heartbeat changes maybe, sweat, uh, energy rushes up into to the head or, or somewhere, buzzes around. So this is the bodily sense of it, Kaya Sankara. And the third is called the Vajji Sankara. The, the thinking speeds up. It's kind of speeding up. So again, this will tend to follow Jitta uh, Sankara, so panic, <laughs> overwhelmed with emotion, we may find ourselves jabbering quite quickly, um, uh, you know, or panicking, you know, so the thoughts come out very quickly and not very clearly. So the, the Jitta Sankara really is the main one that, that's, that stirs or stimulates the others. Um, and this is what we feel as myself. Uh, when, so these are all felt experiences. So there are several means of that to to change that. Um, we go to places that don't feel, such as eyes. Just stare widely because the eyes don't feel. So you've got something that's not not presenting any more feeling. Particularly if you look at a wall or something simple like a Buddha. And taking that in, then whatever was churning in one's heart has some sort of something to counteract it. Or other other conducive objects to look at. Or a sound like a mantra. Or it can be just a sense of touch. Touch, we're very sensitive to touch. As you know, if someone's really upset or panicking, then one of the natural things to do is just to gently touch them on the shoulder so they get some sense of a calm, tactile presence and uh, they feel a little bit grounded. In, our, in ourselves, we might stand, feel the sensations in the feet come down. Generally, uh, the energy, when it rises, it's called rising, it rushes up the body and you want it to go down. So you walk up and down, you feel your feet, um, that gives some sense of it, a sense input that is not to do with what is activating. You can even deliberately think something, something that takes your attention away from, off the edge of the powerful activation. The energy is rushing up too much. 
And this generally doesn't mean it just switches off, but it, over a period of several minutes or a while it may gradually subside. Movement, again, movement. When you're moving, your body is aware of the experience of calm, gentle movement, so it's getting that input. Um, It can be the case when powerful energy comes, the body sort of just freezes into that state, and it's locked into that energetic state. So you need to break the lock, move around, you know, gently rotate the limbs, uh, flex the knees so that there's this other input which is calm and steady um, that helps to counteract the um, this overcharged energy. The other way possibility is of emotional withdrawal if that's possible, if it's strong emotional state it might be possible um, but if it's something more like bodily rapture, when you feel yourself shivering or um, something of that nature then just not getting too interested in it, stepping back feeling physical matter physical materiality uh, and not giving any more emotional energy to what is stirring the chitta, stirring the mind up So if you do it sort of consciously, steadily, rather than, you know, you get strong energy and you sort of react to it too much. You want to just carefully attend to something, quality that helps the energy to steady and subside. Expanding the field of awareness again helps if if your energy is very... um, charged up, it will become more charged up if you have a narrow focus because it's like putting water down a hose pipe and if you open that channel up to something quite wide, the pressure of the water is much less so we might widen our field of awareness here again, visual visual field is is useful Mm. if it's less powerful but just a bit disturbing then you notice energy tends to come in waves and you attend to the subsiding aspect of the wave so maybe one's meditation it's, it's going okay but the mind doesn't move from piti to sukha That's, it's quite buoyant and bubbly but it doesn't become easy and contented it tends to stay in a slightly heightened state then uh, it's try to contemplate the waves of that energy and notice the subsiding pattern so it's like it comes in waves and troughs and just notice the subsiding lengthening lengthening one's attention so anything that helps to extend attention rather than narrow it will have an effect on helping energy to subside to a more uh, natural state because it's not it's not wrong not wrong, it's just a bit too much, a bit too charged. And so we don't want to just kind of shut it, try and shut it all down. Ideally, 
particularly it can be something we just need to just be a little more cool about uh, then it's if it's a ben if it's basically you know health or benevolent energy then it can spread and suffuse in a more useful way than just uh, bursting I think that's enough of that today hope some of that's useful Chittasankara is the basis of karma, remember that also. What one feels moved towards generates karma and then there will be a result of that for good or for bad associated with delusion or attachment or non-attachment, there's going to be a result of that. So, you know, what we incline towards and how we incline is uh, something to be aware of and wise about. It's not the case we can always just stay totally serene and glacial, you know. We do get a bit charged up and that's, that's okay. Sometimes when blocks, emotional blocks or physical blocks release, you do get sort of waves of stuff churning around. That's, that's all right. But how to widen with that so we can stay conscious and wise as that process has its effects, then you can assimilate the benefits of, of releasing um, bodily or, or emotional blocks because they do tend to give rise to certain rushes or surges of energy. <laughs> <laughs>